Well, good morning. In a little bit, I'm going to be reading from us the book of Isaiah. If you've been with us at all during Advent, you know that we have been looking at passages in the book of Isaiah. And this morning is the fourth Sunday of Advent, so we will be looking at the text, Isaiah 61. Now, in our staff meetings the last few weeks, there's been a little bit of a discussion and a debate about this Sunday and expectations that people might have of this. Some on staff thought that most people would know that this is the fourth Sunday of Advent. They would come here expecting to have the lighting of the candles, to have songs about longing for Jesus, to hear another sermon from Isaiah. But some of the staff thought that most people or some people would think, no, it's Christmas Eve, so we are going to sing more traditional Christmas songs. The sermon will probably be from Luke 2 or some passage about the birth of Jesus. Now, I'm not going to ask for a show of hands of which one of you thought what of this service, but I will say that if you came here expecting one type of service, and it's not, your expectations might make you feel a little sad. If you had expectations about a certain type of service and you see that it's not that type this morning, you might be a little disappointed. I share this to illustrate something about the passage that I'm about to read. The people in Isaiah's day surely had expectations that were not met. In Isaiah 61, we have the people of God who have come back to the promised land. They have been set free from the exile. And if they had expectations that everything was going to go back to normal, they were greatly let down. Their cities and their towns were in ruins. Their temple was destroyed. They no longer had the land to themselves. They were free, but not really. They were free, but they still were longing for something more. And that is where we are in our passage this morning. Our passage this morning is again a longing for God to come and make things right. So we're going to look at Isaiah 61 together. I'm going to read it for us at this time, but if you want to follow along in a Bible or in your order of worship, or you could just listen as I read from Isaiah 61. The Spirit of the Lord God is upon me, because the Lord has anointed me to bring good news to the poor. He has sent me to bind up the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the captives, and the opening of prisons to those who are bound, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor, and the day of vengeance of our God, to comfort all who mourn, to grant those who mourn in Zion, to give them a beautiful headdress instead of ashes, the oil of gladness instead of mourning, the garment of praise instead of a faint spirit, that they may be called oaks of righteousness, the planting of a Lord that he may be glorified. They shall build up the ancient ruins. They shall raise up the former devastations. They shall repair the ruined cities, the devastation of many generations. Strangers shall stand and tend your flocks. Foreigners shall be your plowmen and vine dressers. But you shall be called the priests of the Lord. They shall speak of you as the ministers of our God. You shall eat the wealth of the nations, and in the glory you shall boast. Instead of your shame, there shall be a double portion. Instead of dishonor, they shall rejoice in their lot. Therefore, in the land they shall possess a double portion. They shall have everlasting joy. For I, the Lord, love justice, and I hate robbery and wrong. I will faithfully give them recompense, and I will make an everlasting covenant with them. 
Their offspring shall be known among the nations and their descendants in the midst of all the peoples. All who see them shall acknowledge them that they are an offspring the Lord has blessed. I will greatly rejoice in the Lord. My soul exalt in my God, for he has clothed me with the garments of salvation. He has covered me with the robe of righteousness. As a bridegroom decks himself like a priest with a beautiful headdress, and as a bride adorns herself with her jewels, for as the earth brings forth sprouts, and as a garden causes what is sown in it to sprout up, so the Lord God will cause righteousness and praise to sprout up before all the nations. This is God's word, and it is given to us for our good. Let me pray for us as we begin. Father, we thank you for all that you do and all that you are. We thank you that you know each person here. You know those of us who are tired from a, a long, already holiday season. You know some of us that are anxious about the upcoming year and maybe the family dynamics tonight or tomorrow. You know some of us that are excited about you and wanting to learn more about you. And others of us are questioning who you really are and if you are true. Father, wherever we are, meet us now through your spirit and your word. Amen. Well, when I was younger, every Christmas, we would spend Christmas afternoon at my grandparents' house. And I remember one Christmas, I was at the age where you start not getting as many fun gifts as you would like. You're at that in-between age, and you're a little disappointed, especially at the grandparents' house, not getting all the toys that you used to get. What made it worse for me was that I had two younger cousins who still were getting all the toys on Christmas morning. And so I got to my grandmother's house at this time, and there underneath the tree was a large wrapped present with no name on it. Now my cousins assumed, of course, it would be for one of them, and I assumed, of course, it would not be for me. But what if? So we got to this point when they're passing out the presents and my uncle is passing out the presents and he gets to that large one and he lifts it up and he turns and he looks right at me. And I think, there is no way this present is for me. And he starts walking towards me with the present and I still think, there is no way this present is for me. And my uncle gets right in front of me, literally close enough for me to pull out my hands to grab it. So that is what I do. And the minute I lift my hands up, he turns and passes the present on to someone else. Now, my uncle was a joker, and we all laughed that morning, but I was a little disappointed. You know, having something come to you like that present, only to be taken away in the last minute, is very disappointing. Having expectations of something and it not getting met leads to great disappointment. The people in Isaiah 61 are people that are very disappointed. The people in Isaiah 61 that Isaiah is preaching to think that the gift of God's favor has been taken away from them. There is deep mourning and sadness all around. There is no hope to cling to. Their heads are covered with ashes. Their spirits are crushed with despair. Now maybe you would not describe your life like this today. Maybe you think it would be way too melodramatic to describe your pain like a mourner covered in ashes. But some of you today are experiencing a life that has not turned out like you had hoped. Some of you face great disappointment and sadness 
most mornings you wake up. You wake up alone. You wake up to go to a job you hate. You wake up with that pit in your stomach that tells you the lie that you are worthless, that you are a failure, that you are a mistake. Some of you might not be financially poor at all, but you feel poor emotionally, relationally, spiritually. Some of you feel like your heart is empty, like your life is empty. And some of you are so tired of the consuming weakness and sin in your life, you're tired of what feels like a prison that you're trapped in. So when we feel these ways, which we all do, what do we do about that? How do we cope? Where do we turn for hope, for comfort, for freedom? Well, we must turn to the same place that Isaiah wanted his people to turn to. We must turn to the Lord's Spirit anointed. We must turn to the one that we just read about who brings good news to the poor and has been sent to bind up the brokenhearted. Now, we could take some time to talk about who the people in Isaiah's day might have thought Isaiah was talking about. But we know who Isaiah is talking about. The first public words out of Jesus' mouth, the first words that he began his public ministry was what we heard in the gospel reading this morning. Jesus goes to the temple. He takes the scroll of Isaiah. He opens it up and he reads, The Spirit of the Lord is upon me. He has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. He has sent me to provide and proclaim liberty to the captives and recovering sight to the blind and liberty to those who are oppressed. To proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. And then Jesus sat down and said these amazing words. Today, this scripture is fulfilled in your hearing. Today, Jesus said, the kingdom of God with the good news to the poor and the oppressed and the broken is fulfilled by me. This season of Advent is a celebration that the Lord's anointed has come. It is a season that we long and wait for him to come again and make things right. But we also are reminded during this season that the Lord has come, that he was willing to enter into this broken world and do something about it. The Lord Jesus came to offer comfort and peace to a broken, needy world. Jesus came to bring good news to the poor, the poor financially and the poor in spirit. And Jesus not only proclaimed the good news, he is good news. He is Emmanuel, which means God with us. He himself is the good news of hope we need. The Gospel John, which Pastor Aaron talked about last week, talks about how God became flesh and dwelt among us. This is the hope of this season, that God came to earth, that God moves into the lives of broken people. It is the hope that even in our pain and in our darkness, God says, I know you are broken. I know you are hurt. I know you are discouraged. And I come to you. I love you. I am pursuing you. When Jesus says today this scripture is fulfilled, he is saying that he came to bring hope to the poor, to those in distress and in trouble. When Jesus said, today the scripture is filled, he says, I am coming to bind up the brokenhearted. 
I am offering healing, emotional pain, and suffering that you're going through. I am here to take up your pain and brokenness and bandage it together. When Jesus says, today, this scripture is fulfilled, he is saying, I'm here to set the captives in prison free. Some of you feel captive in guilt and in shame. And Jesus says, I am here to set you free. Some of you need to believe this for the first time today. Some of you perhaps need to understand that the brokenness and the captivity that you feel and that you experience cannot be taken care of on your own. You can't find escape from things other than the Lord's anointed. And some of you need to believe that Jesus offers that freedom to you today. Some of you need to believe it again. Some of you need to believe that God is moving towards you in your pain and disappointment of this year. That God is moving towards you in your struggles and in your doubts. The hope of this passage is that in the midst of our brokenness and pain and messiness, when we feel trapped by our failings and by our sin, when we feel hopeless, the hope of Isaiah 61 is our hope as well. The hope that God moves into the lives of broken people. And this is not the end of the story. God moves into the lives of broken people. Broken people are renewed and restored. And these renewed and restored people are used by God to heal broken communities. I mean, think about what this passage promises you and me today. From ashes come beautiful headdresses. From mourning comes the oil of gladness. Instead of a faint spirit, we receive a garment of praise. And I truly love the imagery that Isaiah uses to describe those whom God has moved into. If God has moved into your life, Isaiah says, this is what you have become. Oaks of righteousness. Isaiah says that when the Spirit-led anointed one comes on the scene, he calls his people oaks of righteousness. If you are a follower of God today, you are an oak of righteousness. The oak tree symbolizes stability and performance and abundance. This is what is promised to us in our relationship with God. Stability and lasting hope. Despite our weakness and our sin and our struggles, God, through Jesus, plants us as oak trees of righteousness. He gives us the stability that we long for and the righteousness that we deeply need. None of us deserve this. None of us have what it takes to plan ourselves in stability and abundance. If you try to make yourself stable and righteous on your own, you will fail miserably. In fact, in the first chapter of this book of Isaiah, Isaiah talks about people who try to gain their glory and righteousness on their own. He talks about the sin and the rebellion of God's people, and he describes them like an oak tree whose leaves have withered. If we act like we're almighty and strong, we're going to quickly realize we fade and wither away. But if we admit our weakness and we admit our failures, we find ourselves growing stable and strong. And not only that, but once God comes into our lives and restores us, he lets us be a part of his kingdom plan to restore our world. 
Verse 3 says that God is planting the weak and the poor and the broken into oak trees. And then the very next verse says these oak trees are the ones that are going to build up the ancient ruins and repair the ruined cities. Think about it. The poor and the brokenhearted and the freed captives are now the ones rebuilding and restoring the ruins. Now in context, Isaiah is talking about the people in his time having hope that the ruins from the conquering nations would be rebuilt. But I think we can apply this truth to our lives as well. Our beautiful city we live in needs some repairs. The neighborhoods that we live in and that we experience around us are in ruins. Many of the vulnerable and the hurting and the needy of our great city are ruined by poverty. They're ruined by violence. They're ruined by segregation. They're ruined by racism. They're ruined by being ignored and abused by those in power. We must continue to ask God to show us personally and then as a church how he wants us to be used to serve his city. We need to keep asking God to show us the ways that we ourselves are a part of the problem. And we need to realize that God cares deeply for broken people and broken neighborhoods. And God has given all of us gifts that can be used to help this broken world in need. God calls us to care for and serve others. If you are a follower of Jesus today, God calls you to be a builder of ruins. God has called you to do justice, to love mercy, and to walk humbly with our God. Doing justice, loving kindness, caring for what God cares for, using our gifts for God's world is part of what rebuilding broken, ruined things is all about. If covenant is your home church, you need to keep asking God to help us as a church care for what God cares for. Help us be a part of helping serve our city and loving and caring for our broken needs. Help us to figure what this looks like in 2018. We need you. And if Covenant is not your church, I'd encourage you to pray about that for the church you're a part of. But not only are we called to be repairers and rebuilders of the ruins, but verse 6 says that we are also called priests of the Lord and ministers of our God. The main role of priests was to assist people in their worship of God and to teach others the ways of God. And now while I do believe that God calls some people to full-time ministry as priests and pastors, you cannot escape the call in the Old Testament and the New Testament that all of us are holy priesthood. All of us have the responsibility and the privilege to teach others about God and to help others worship God. And i got to tell you, as one of your pastors, I am very proud of you. Many of you take this truth to heart. Many of you take the call to encourage and to pray for and to support others in this church seriously. You are being priests to others. Many of you are beginning to carry the burdens of others and you are getting involved in other people's lives and you are serving them as ministers of God. Keep it up. And if maybe you don't feel like you're doing this personally at this time, I would love to talk to you in the new year about ways that you can serve as a priest and a minister of God here. 
It could be as simple as joining a small group and actually entering into the lives of other people, allowing for you to be a part of another person's life. You are needed to help others grow and learn about God. And you need others as well. You could serve as a priest in our community by committing to our discipleship path as a church, to coming to the Story of Scripture class in January, to commit to join with others in this community to grow and learn together, to be a part of the process of caring for one another in how we grow in our relationship with God. And you could serve as priests by being a witness of God and His kingdom in words and actions in your work, in your families, in your neighborhoods, by promoting and living out and caring for the things that God cares for. I could go on and on and on, but let's be honest. Often we are too busy, too self-absorbed, too consumed with our own lives to care about being oaks of righteousness, priests or ministers of the word. I work full-time for the church, and that is me. I often struggle with being consumed with my own needs and my own desires more than the needs of others. So what do I do? What do we do? What do we do with our failures and our false promises and our inability to actually be oaks of righteousness and priests in our neighborhoods and in our city? Well, we must rest in the faithfulness and the character of our God. We turn to the God who says about himself in verse 8, I, the Lord, love justice. I hate robbery and wrong. I, God says, I will faithfully give to them their recompense, and I will make an everlasting covenant with them. What that says is, this is what I care for enough, that I will do what is needed in order for this to happen. I will make a promise to you. And I will not break that promise, God says. And God says, I will be faithful even when we are not. He is faithful to the homeless person that we ignore every day. He is faithful to the oppressed and the broken that we don't even see. And he is faithful to you and me when we fail to do what he calls us to do. You see, the prophet Isaiah gave a call to the people that they can never fulfill on their own. Nor can any of us fulfill this on our own. And that is why we celebrate that Jesus came. Even in our failures, even in our ways we do not do what God calls us to do, God steps in and provides hope and restoration. That is what Advent is all about. That is what we celebrate this morning, tonight at our Christmas Eve service. And tomorrow as we celebrate the birth of Jesus, that Jesus came and he clothes us with garments of salvation. And he covers us with the robe of righteousness. He says, you are righteous. You are my child. You are my loved child. And as we believe that and as we live in that hope, we in turn can respond by serving others with the good news of the gospel. Let us pray. Father, we do thank you for the hope of this season. And we thank you for the fact that we can't do what you call us to do, but you give us exactly what we need. May we believe that and may we live in that hope now and the rest of this year and the rest of the years to come. In your name, amen.